God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, well, it finally happened. So, you know, as we, we kind of called it yesterday, we said something big was going to happen, possibly today. And that was yesterday we said that. And um, uh, it, it's playing out pretty well, actually. It's, it's, uh, it's going pretty doggone well. And so uh, that deal uh, is about $46 billion, $46.5. It says Musk has secured approximately $46.5 billion to finance the transaction, including $25.5 billion of fully committed debt and margin loan financing and $21 billion in equity financing. So a couple of the things he's going to take off the bots which are all these fake accounts that are like bots. He's going to take off the bots and he's going to uh, require that you verify uh, who you are as a person. So those are pretty good things right there. Um, And I think we're going to see what really happens on Twitter. Because I've always been one to to say that uh, about Twitter, it was absolutely overly represented <clears throat> overly represented and and I don't mean that in a negative way I mean it was dominated I should say it was dominated by conservatives and I only I, I know that because when they would be doing these uh, flash polls the flash poll would come out and they didn't have enough time to do the algorithm because they didn't know who was going to pop up a poll on their tweet. And it would be, say, uh, was uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And there was a debate where I didn't think Donald Trump performed all that great. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it's probably going to be like 55, 45 or something like that. And it was like 80% said Trump won. And this was by, and, and then there was other polls from people that were liberal. 
And, of course, you want to go and vote in their polls because you want to embarrass them and put egg all over their face, right? And so that's what I would do. And Trump was winning those polls, too, because other people had the same concept, idea, as I, I had about spoiling their the other team's polls, right? And and then I got to thinking, it's like, okay, well, well Twitter can't know which poll is going to come up out of the ether, out of the blue. And so perhaps, so it's got to be that there's no algorithm and they haven't figured out how to control it so quickly. And that's when it told me that the amount of people, the amount of legitimate voters that were on Twitter was dominated like 75%. And all the algorithms in the world couldn't really break the spell. And then finally, they just started cutting people, suspending people left and right. And now, you know, you know, I went from like 20-something thousand followers. I think I had 24,000 all the way down to 14,000 followers. And it's like I lost 10,000 in the course of a few months leading up to the, the uh, 2016, then 2020 election. So, you know, mainly the 2020 is what they, what, when they really got, got brassy, you know, about it. But Twitter, I think you're going to see, is going to be dominated. And then it's going to beg the question. It's going to beg the question, did Biden really get that 81 million votes? Because, you know, what we're watching, you know, like with CNN Plus and what we're seeing with Disney, I mean, Disney is getting crushed right now financially. And there was a great tweet um, by Benny Johnson. He says, warning investors, pro-pedophilia, pro-groomer, pro-indoctrination, anti-parents' rights is a bad move for your publicly traded children's company, Disney. And their stock's just getting crushed. And CNN Plus, they lost, they were spending $10 million a day. They lost $300 million in 30 days. That is not a sign that they are on the right side of this equation. And Democrats are just freaking out right now. I saw this one tweeter said, I'm moving to Canada. You're, why? Because the other team is actually getting their microphone back? Their megaphone? And I still think this presents an interesting puzzle for Donald Trump. Now, I heard, I read the article, John Solomon's Just in the, Just in the News, or Just the News uh, publication, where he was showcasing Devin Nunes uh, interview on Maria Bartiroma and he was also talking about the clips, the uh, sound bites of what Donald Trump said over the weekend when he um, was in Ohio stumping for the Ohio political candidates and there's a lot of news about what we talked about yesterday, the Michigan Election. A lot of these unlikely win, uh, winner, uh, well, unlikely winners were endorsed by Trump, 
And they ousted a bunch of establishment elites in Michigan in the primaries. And it wasn't the full primaries. It was the primaries for AG and for uh, a few other um, lower seats or different seats, not just senators and and, and state legislatures and things like that. But things are going pretty well, and Trump's coattails are really great. We saw how little coattail Joe Biden had, say, in Virginia when McAuliffe lost to Yunkin over the issue of parents' rights. And we also saw how close that race was in New Jersey last year. We saw how close that was when it shouldn't have been close at all. But Murphy, I think is his name, um, barely won against some guy that nobody knew. And again, Trump's coattails are really strong. And what's happening is when Biden's coattails are so weak, you got to say to you, and when he can walk in a room with Obama and everybody ignores him, and when he gets lost on stage or he shakes hands with the air, you got to, it begs the question, doesn't it? And so, I, you know, I was in Philly over the weekend, and I had this uh, little discussion with somebody. And I said, you can't deny one thing, whether you believe that there is voter fraud or enough, like Bill Barr said, enough voter fraud to make a difference. Look at the guy. Look at the numbers. Look at what's happening to CNN and Disney and Netflix. Look at what's happening to all this wokeness. Look at what's happening around you. Just look at the guy and use your own common sense. And you tell me whether you believe this guy got 81 million votes. And what is happening now on Twitter is, again, par for the course at this point. Because they're even losing their Hispanic base. The Latino vote is going to the conservatives. So they've just imported all these voters and these voters are basically saying, we don't, we don't support the Democrats. We left our third world country not to turn the United States into a third world country. And third world mentality is totalitarian mentality, is tyrannical government mentality. And, jo- and Barack Obama and Joe Biden and the globalists around the world that are socialist globalists are nothing but tyrants. They're nothing but monsters. They're nothing but scum. But they're in charge because they control the power. They control the oil. They control the energy. They control your food. They control all of these other things. And they control the world. They control the banks and your money. That's why they don't want crypto. That's why they, there's so many things that are going on and it's all connected. But things are happening at light speed, at like a rapid pace. And the liberals can't keep up with it. This was, this was a plan hatched, I would even go as far as to say back into the 90s. Or 80s, for that matter. I mean, I think... It, Probably you could argue Kissinger was a bit of a globalist at some point. 
And we're going to quote Kissinger's quote again, and we're going to talk about this today. But let's take a listen to what Donald Trump said over the weekend when he was giving his speech. And he says he's not going. I have a feeling from what I've heard, I spoke to some people, and I have a feeling he's going to come back to Twitter. But he's not going to do it hat in hand. He's not going to do it in any way but the way a chairman of the board, the way the real boss would do it. And I think he's going to he's going to make it look great. And one of the reasons why I think he should go back to Twitter rather than, you know, just just do Truth Social exclusively is a it's a bigger net. B, he can influence whatever liberals are going to be left on Twitter. Um, but then, in, a, in addition, he can actually promote Truth Social over on Twitter. <laughs> That's what you want to do. If you're Donald Trump, the best way you can promote Truth Social is to reopen that Twitter account with 80 million people following you. And everybody's going to be hinging on every single tweet. And he could, he could promote the Truth Social in a way that he never could before. Think about how great that would be for his own financial interest and his investment in Truth Social. Think about that. So I think that that alone, you know, would be sufficient that he could promote Truth Social and reach a wider audience. In an election year, I think it's absolutely essential. Now, this case with regard to uh, how this impacts the election, well, from what I understand, uh, Elon Musk, it's going to take him at least six months to finish this deal. Six months goes right into the election, which is almost perfect timing if you think about it. For uh, now, it just remains the like I said yesterday. Let's be skeptical, let's keep an open mind. But you know, you could trust, but you ver- you verify, trust but verify. And so, it's it's truly important to keep your eye on this ball because this is a game, this is a shell game going on. Keep your eye on that ball, but really, not the ball where the cup is. Keep your eye on the hand movements and all the mechanisms that are actually going to take the ball, put it up the guy's sleeve, and put it somewhere else, sleight of hand. Because that's how the shell game is won. It's sleight of hand. It has nothing to do with the cups and the balls. They move that slow enough for you to see it, and you think you're smart, and you think you guessed it right, and then boom, you didn't, you lost your money. The shell game, you know, three cups, one ball on the street. So we want to be really, really careful about this because this 2022 election is absolutely extraordinarily, extremely important. It's really important. I think it might be the last chance we have. And we say this every election, and that's why it sounds a little weak to say that. But I can't stress enough how how important this election is. 
because we need to get the power away from the hands of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, there's going to be an event today, and it's a Zoom event, and you can go over to spectator.org and uh, check it out. I got to notice I'm going to be going to this Zoom event. It's uh, it's related to the uh, 25th, um, 25th Amendment. And they're going to talk about it, but one of the problems is, so you get rid of Joe Biden, who's a puppet to the master party, right? The globalists. And, and what do you get? You get, you get Kamala, right? You get Kamala. And, and say you're not happy with Kamala Harris, who I think might be un, more unlikable than Joe Biden. Although Joe Biden is just scum and evil. I mean, he's evil. I think he's a pedophile. I think he is incestual with his daughter. I think he is as corrupt as any politician has ever walked into Washington. Kamal Harris, at least, may be too stupid to even figure it out. So who knows? But who's the third in line? The third in line is the Speaker of the House. That's Nancy Pelosi. And I think she could be wicked. Right? I mean, I think she would be the worst of the worst because she's actually wicked enough and smart enough. She's smarter and she's more wicked than Kamala Harris. I think, and she's smarter and more wicked than Joe Biden. So there, I will be at this event. It's at 12 noon. And if you want to engage, it's free. It's a, it's a Zoom event. And you're not going to be on camera, but you're going to w- watch speakers be on camera. Um, but if you want to sign up, I think that there might be a way to sign up over at spectator.org. And you can uh, email somebody with the event details. But uh, in any case, I got my notice. And yeah, Leonora sent me my, my notice. So <laughs> that's how I got it. Um, but uh, in any case, it's going to be a good event. But here's the thing. Let's take a listen to Donald Trump right here. We got to take the power away. But this year, if it takes six months to do the deal, and it it really depends on what Twitter does between now and the election, will they restore? Will they do the things that you know that they can do? A couple of the things I like that are going to be done over Twitter is... They're going to get rid of the bots. They're going to verify humans. But then they're also going to open source the code. The algorithms that are used to exploit and censor and and change outcomes, they're going to put those over on... uh, And I saw this TED interview uh, with Elon Musk last week. And they were going to put it on GitHub and open source it, which makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a lot of software that's out there that's open source. So the algorithms will be understood in a way that you know exactly what the playing field is. And for that fair playing field, the liberals have blown a gasket. They're literally screaming and fighting tooth and nail and suggesting that this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And, the, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson actually had a good open last night. 
And he was showcasing some of the commentary from some of these buffoons over at MSNBC and CNN. It was just ridiculous. If they could only listen to themselves talk about how bad free speech is (laughs) and then realize they're living in a country where the First Amendment is the amendment that says you're entitled to freedom of expression. It's sad. Well, let's take a listen to Donald Trump. And here we go. This is a speech in uh, Delaware, Ohio, Saturday night. I think Truth Social is going to do well. It's moving along nicely. Uh, You look at Twitter and you look at how bad, how badly it treats everybody. And it's a real mess. Big tech has banned so many Americans. There's none left to ban. All that's left to ban are their fake bot accounts. You know, their bot accounts, a lot of phony accounts, the truth social. We're canceling the plague of radical leftness that's destroying America. So that's uh, Maria Bartiroma. And then we got this interview with Devin Nunes. Now, she started the interview with Devin Nunes. It got cut off. They had technical difficulties. And then just like we we had yesterday, actually, a little bit. Um, But... uh, uh, here is the uh, interview with Maria Bartiroma and uh, Devin Nunes. Let's take a listen. Well, Devin, you were saying that you have done something that has not been done before. What do you mean? Yeah, I think that's right. People just didn't expect us to be able to, in just a few short months to get out of beta testing and fully launch on the Apple App Store. So this is, we are uncancelable by big tech. Uh, we are not relying on any tech tyrants. Uh, and really running on the rumble cloud like we are, this is the future of taking on woke companies. And what you're seeing is is that you know we're building a community. We're taking the best of all these social media companies. And if you really look, look at it, where are the eyeballs now? Young people are on TikTok. Instagram has a big share of the market. Facebook has a declining market. And Twitter, uh, as Mike Lee was saying, is really a company that, that really hasn't done much over the last decade or so. So we're taking all of that, putting it into and building in a community. And what you're seeing right now, Maria, is really amazing. If you have a Twitter account or an Instagram account, I will say, and you're an influencer, and if you're on truth, you now are, are getting more engagement on truth right now, even though we've barely begun, and you have more followers in many cases also. And I think those are just numbers that don't lie, and we're going to continue to build out this platform. It's exciting. Uh, President Trump is excited about this. And and remember, why are we here? We're here because all of these tech tyrants either censored us, banned us, millions of Americans got banned, got kicked off of these platforms. And Donald Trump, the president of the United States, had no choice but to start this company to give the American people their voice back. And that's what we're doing at True Social. Yeah, no, I understand your motivation. But look, here we are this morning talking about reports that there is possibly a deal between Elon Musk and Twitter. A deal could happen as early as today, Devin. The two sides are hashing it out. They met yesterday, apparently. Uh, They're expected to uh, reassess a a multi-billion dollar deal. And the word is, is that's going to go much higher than $43 billion. The company's board is reconsidering it. So the question has to be, does that hurt the viability of Truth Social? What if Musk acquires Twitter? What does that mean for Truth Social? Well, 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 I think we're all for it, but re- let's remember what is Twitter? Twitter is a global PR wire. It's not a community like what we're trying to build. 
So if you, if, if you take what Elon is doing, Twitter has been a cesspool for a long time. Uh, it needs to be completely reconstructed. Uh, but you know what we're looking at is we're building a community based on the best of all social media companies. We're not just trying to be a platform uh, like Twitter, which is essentially a PR wire for celebrities and corporations. Uh, there's just not very many people on Twitter, quite frankly. Where the eyeballs are is Instagram and TikTok. And look, that's where the market is, and that's where we need to go as a new company that can't be canceled by big tech. Now, there were reports or a report last week from one investor who says you're not going to get the regulatory approvals that you need to move forward. Are you confident that you're going to be able to get yeah. the, the regulatory approvals uh, in this SPAC to, to, to progress and, and, and create scale? Yeah, what's, what's strange about that uh, is that it's very clear by the public reports, just the public reports here in the last couple weeks, that we are moving forward quickly in order to get approval by the SEC. And we need to, you know, we're willing to work with the SEC. Uh, we're looking forward to it. So I don't put any uh, basis whatsoever in those reports. I think it's just uh, fake news. So you're, you're talking about this transition onto Rumble. You say you're not cancelable. You don't need big tech. How is that possible? Yeah. Tell us about, you know, the Rumble uh, transition. Are you their first client in terms of cloud services? Yeah, the first major client uh, we are with Rumble. And so remember what's happened to these other nascent companies. If the big companies that, that own the server farms and the data centers, if they decide they don't like you, they just cut you off. So because Rumble is a cloud and, and a video platform, they've got data centers all over the country. They're continuing to expand. So they're a key partner of ours so that we can use, and, and as you know, Maria, all the influencers, conservative influencers, and now even moderates, people who have been kicked off of YouTube are now on Rumble. So we're essentially able to ride on Rumble's rails. Uh, we know that we're not going to be canceled. We have a great partnership with them. Uh, and it's going to be an ama it's it's amazing that this has been done if you just think about it where we were just a few months ago to be wide open on the apple app store where anybody can get on right now and get an account uh that's and then it's the engagement it's the community and i, I just want to reiterate bria even even you and we talked about this a few weeks ago look at the number of followers that you have you have considerably more followers on truth today than you have on instagram and that's an amazing feat and yeah. we see that over and over again uh, with our new community that we're building. Yeah, no, I've loved, I've loved the engagement on Truth Social. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, the last time you were with us, you told us that you thought that there were all of these bots on Twitter. Why is Elon Musk yeah. interested in acquiring Twitter if it's all robots? Yeah, well, I think he's even said that uh, as much, that there's just a lot of fake accounts and a lot of bot accounts. And that's one of the things that we did at True Social as we went into this. We want to make sure that if you have an account, you're actually a real person. Uh, and so we're confirming that. So the, the platform is very, very clean and, and we're going to keep it clean. Uh, you know, it's 99.9% it's .9 of, of our users are real people. And that's what we want. We want real people, real engagement, interacting with each other. It's what social media was supposed to be and still ba until back in you know, 2017, 18 timeframe they started banning Americans that they didn't like. So 
the American people know and people around the globe are going to know that we're the one home that we're not going to cancel you, we're not going to censor you for political reasons. Uh, and that's what's going to build our community. And that's why you see so many people are so excited on our platform because they've either been banned completely or they've been censored and they're meeting each other for the first time on True Social in many, many years. And it's really inspiring to see. And that's why we're having so much fun here uh, building this company. Yeah, but let's face it, Devin, money talks, and we're talking about possibly a $50, $60 billion bid from Elon Musk on Twitter. The report today is that Twitter's on track to reach a deal with Elon Musk as early as today. Let's say, hypothetically, this guy acquires Twitter. Is President Trump going to go back on Twitter? Well, I can only report uh, what he said. He said he really doesn't have an interest in going on Twitter, and my, and my guess is that would, be, that would continue to be the same. I mean, look, until you get in there and, and get that company and wipe out everything that's been happening there for the last several years, uh, I just see Twitter right now is nothing but a PR wire. Uh, it's, it's got a global footprint, but there's just nobody there. And, I mean, it, and how do you yeah. explain how we have more engagement on true social than they have on Twitter. That's why the real focus that we have moving forward is where are the eyeballs? Where are the customers? Where are the consumers? They're on Instagram and TikTok. And, and as you know, because you use the platform, we have very good video, very good photos. The media that we have is extremely good on true social and it's gonna keep getting better. And that's why we're taking the best of all these social media platforms, putting them to one, inviting people on and not censoring them. That's the key to true social, and that's why, you know, that's why you see every single hour we're letting more and more people on. Yeah. People are just coming in droves. It's just been amazing. And, and look, we're only into day, what, this is day four on our new Rumble yeah, Cloud. It's right. just amazing how many people joined the platform in the last few days. All right. Things are getting real interesting on social media, Devin. It's great to see you this morning. Thank you. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. Hey, you know, kudos to the Scott Adams show because we were the only ones. And I looked around. I looked for confirmation on a theory. And I remember it was, la what was it, last week? And I had this light bulb moment on the air live. And I said, you know, I said, this, this could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Remember last week? And I said, you know, this was, a, I, it was just interesting. And I remember talking to Leonora later that day. And I said, I, I really had this moment on, on the air today. And this was last week. And I said, you know, it's just, it's just one of these things where it's like, nobody's talking about how this could actually impact the election in a negative, you know, where, where it hurts truth social. I was the only one that was talking about that. And it came up to my in my mind and um while I was live on air and I thought wow that that's kind of an interesting little theory concept. And sure enough, you know, that was last week and then sure enough Maria Bartiroma's talking about it with Devin Nunes right there on Sunday. And and here we are, but you know, a couple of days later but that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic, and so you know I pretty much knew that the deal was going to happen because I had heard early on that there was a plan B for Elon Musk. There was a plan B, and so I thought, okay, he's going to get you know, and Elon Musk is not a guy that likes to lose. So 
And he's just a smart dude, right? I mean, he's really smart. You know who else is smart is Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey's uh, commitment. He and Elon Musk are good friends, actually. And Jack Dorsey has endorsed the Elon Musk bid and takeover in a big way. And I'm going to read to you Jack Dorsey's tweet here in a minute as well. But, you know, this this has been a really, and I said this in uh, about, what, 10, two, two weeks ago when this first started going down. I said, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And, and it could be a game changer. It could give people the platform they need to level the playing field. This could have a major impact on elections. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact it has also on Facebook. And, you know, we're living in a very complex world. You take Disney, for example, right? Owned by a bunch of globalists trying to indoctrinate our children. Why? Because they're not fighting the battle from today. They're fighting the battle for two elections from now. They're grooming our children into becoming liberal-minded people. They're grooming our children away from God. They want to instill the power of government into their brains by using these cockamamie schemes of open-mindedness and pronouns and weird stuff like that. Cisgender this, pronoun that. You know, it's, um, it's all about indoctrinating and grooming the next generation of voters. That's what it's all about. Mike Glover said it best. He says, I don't care what you identify with. Or, no, let me reread that. I don't care what you identify as. Just understand, if you have a sexually charged conversation with my child, I will identify you as a pinata. So there you go. That was a good one. I like that. You know, but it shocked me to no end that Jenna Ellis, Jenna Ellis, Trump's attorney, stepped right up like a dog and pony show and decided she wants to represent Disney. Can you believe it? Jenna Ellis? She was this Christian attorney. And Jenna Ellis did that. It shocked me. I thought, wow, that is just unbelievable. That takes the cake. I get it. I get it. Everybody's entitled to fair fair representation. I get it. But let's face it. Jenna Ellis is not the best attorney in the country. And Disney can afford better. Disney, Disney is using Jenna Ellis like a rented mule right now. That that's it's sad. It's sad to me that Jenna Ellis would allow herself to be sold out for money like that or be used as a rented mule to represent Disney, knowing full well that she's this Christian woman that's going to have, you know, that has a little bit of publicity behind her name that's going to help sell their concept and idea and construct about their position. Jenna Ellis, look it up. It's almost hard to comprehend. And 
I'm like, when does this end? I said, unbelievable what some lawyers will do for money. Disney is using Jenna Ellis like a rented donkey. Former Trump legal advisor Jenna Ellis offers to offers to defend Disney after DeSantis signs law ending special status. This was written over at townhall.com. And it says here, let's see. Okay, so they were talking about the Reedy Creek Improvement Act that was established in May of 1967. While not all conservatives support the law, supported law, which will end Disney's status in June 2023, perhaps none were more vocally opposed than Jenna Ellis, who formerly served as legal counsel to Donald Trump. Ellis had been tweeting over the past few days her thoughts on the bill, a bill that DeSantis put forward to end uh, the unfairness that Disney had going on with it. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a caller really quick. Um, yeah, caller, you're on yes. there. Yeah, caller? Yes, yes, real quick. I just want to make this Jenna Ellis. Uh, since she's a Christian woman, maybe she'll understand this uh, from the Bible. The root of all evil is money. That's all I have to say to her and to your listeners today. All right. Thank and you. That's where it goes. Thank Th you. Thank you. All right. Yep. That's probably true. Well, that is a true statement. There's no doubt about it. Um, but here it is. While, while not, uh, not all conservatives support the law, which ends Disney, Disney World's status in June of 2023, so that's next year, Perhaps none were more vocally opposed than Jenna Ellis, who formerly served as legal counsel. Okay, so she said this. She said, imagine if Newsom was doing this to Chick-fil-A. Policy and law must be fair and reasonable. Oh, my gosh. You know how unfair? Uh, just look at J6. Just look at about a thousand different things. Look at the way they treated Hillary and look at the way they treated Trump. Are you kidding me? If she thinks that she's living in Disneyland, I mean, this is insane that she would actually now, all of a sudden, this is the problem, this is what's wrong with Republicans, is all of a sudden they want to be ultra, ultra fair when it hurts the liberals, but nobody gives a rat's behind about what's happening in D.C. right now with people rotting in jail without even being charged with a crime. Nobody, where is she on that? Huh? Wow. Just unbelievable. So she agrees with this guy named Charles Cook who said, DeSantis and the legislature pushed through a sensible education bill and then stared down Disney's ridiculous historical criticisms. They fought, they won. There is no need for them to salt the earth, take revenge, and make Florida's policies worse. This was written over at the National Review. Again, a conservative outlet that's a bit of a, uh, has, you know, only has rhinos right for it. Um, so Jenna Ellis continues and she says, as much as I disagree with Disney's corporate statement, they have a right to speak and support or not support legislation without government consequences. Their customers have a right to react with their dollars. DeSantis is over the line here. So she's, you know, look, I actually can't really 
argue with the, what Jenna Ellis just said just there. But come on, put your put your common sense reality cap on. Does it have to be Jenna Ellis? I mean, really, at at this time in our republic's history, at this time in history, when when all the things have already transpired, and we know what's happening, and we know the two standards of justice, that we get a little break on this one issue because we know what's going on at Disney, that they are grooming the next generation of voters. It's absolutely absurd. So I just have zero respect for Jenna Ellis. Her timing is bad. Her hypocrisy is great. Um, she's taking the high road, perhaps. But this was not the this was not the hill she should should have uh, died on right here. So she went in on that, but um, it's uh, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. I have another clip for you on this subject: pronouns, cisgender, all this. This guy. Uh, this was reposted by Donald Trump Jr. And I forget this guy's name, but I recognize him. Um, but you'll you'll appreciate the dialogue. So basically, he's giving a lecture to these people with nose rings and dyed hair and whatever, and they're all having a discussion. And you should see their facial expressions. It's kind of funny. But let's take a listen to what this guy has to say. Well, that's got nothing to do with the reality. So you can feel however you want. I mean, I could sit here and... Oh, and this was on Dr. Phil's show, by the way. And Dr. Phil had uh, the cisgender, trans, whatever, pronoun, whatever people on there, trying to make the world a more confusing place. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen. Well, that's got nothing to do with the reality. So you can feel however you want. I mean, I could sit here and say that I feel like a tomato plant, but that doesn't mean that I'm actually in those things. So your, your self-perception, you can have whatever self-perception you want, but you can't expect me to take part in that self-perception or to take part in this kind of charade, this theatrical production, you don't get your own pronouns, just like you don't get your own prepositions or your own, your own adjectives. You know, it's like if I were to tell you, my adjectives are handsome and brilliant. And no matter, whenever you're talking about me, you have to describe me as handsome and brilliant because that's how I identify. It makes no sense. You don't get your own pronouns. I think it's, it's delusion. It can be a mental illness. It can be a, it's, it's a lot of different things. With, with children, wow. you know, there, there's also just a basic confusion that all kids have. When a four-year-old boy comes to you and says, oh, I'm a girl, here's a good follow-up question. What is a girl? Mm -hmm. That's a question I would like to throw out to you know, other members of the panel, actually, because just like the four-year-old can't answer what is a girl, well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. It's like, what? Right. Well, you know, that was the brilliance of Marsha Blackburn's question to the, uh, the justice, um, Brown Jackson, who, who Katanji Brown Jackson, who, who basically, uh, what's a woman? And, and of course, the, you know, that ludicrous answer, I don't know, I'm a, not a biologist. It's crazy. What is a woman? Well, Can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. What do you define a woman as? An adult human female. You know, here's the thing. When you're, when you're a female, it goes right down to your bones, your DNA. So that's why if someone 
dies, okay. we could dig up their bones 100 years from now. We have no idea what they believed in their head, but we can tell what sex they were okay. because it's, in, it's, down in, it's, it's ingrained in every fiber of their being. I have answered the question. You stood up here and said trans women are women. Yes. Tell me what you mean. What is a woman? Womanhood is something that, just as Ethan explained, I cannot define because I am not but myself. you used the well, word. So what did you mean when you said trans women are women if you don't know what it means? Right. So here's the thing. So I do not define what a woman is because I do not identify as a woman. Womanhood is something that is an umbrella term. It includes people that who... That describes what? By the, by the way, the person that's talking just now has a beard, full beard. <laughs> uh, Whatever. People who identify as a woman. Identify as what? As a woman. What is that? Was to each their own. But listen, you won't listen, even tell me what the word reduce, means, though. So you that's want to the reduce problem. women, you want to reduce men, down to maybe just their genetics, our genitals, no. our chromosomes, right? That's what you're what saying. You want to do is that's a, what, what, you, what you want to do is appropriate women. You want to appropriate womanhood okay. and turn it into basically a costume that can be worn. Turn it into a costume that can be worn. Wow. Yeah. If you can't define it, then yeah, it just makes for it, it. You know, the thing is, if you can't define it, it makes it a gray area. And that's exactly what the liberals always tend to do. They always try to make things. They muck it up. They muck up the waters and they create this chaos. And out of chaos, they gain advantages because they can uh, reinterpret. If you think about it, that's what they do almost every single place that they have an opportunity to do that. You take the difference between, say, a progressive judge who looks at the Constitution as a living document, one that could be fungible, that that could be like Play-Doh. You can move it around a little bit and reinterpret it and imply new definitions to what the founding fathers must have been thinking given the new set of circumstances. And you get a guy like Scalia or Clarence Thomas, and you get these originalists, these textualists, these judges that, you know, and they, that's what they tried to say, uh, Kimball, uh, uh, the, the Florida judge, the federal judge, was supposed to be a textualist. So she looked at the Constitution or the written word uh, with regard to sanit- uh, sanita- sanitizing uh, uh, and took it for its, uh, it's a 94, 1944 text. and But, you know, there they were exp- saying the judge went to a 1944 rolling. No, the reason why she did that was because it was the CDC that actually did that. The CDC was the one that pull- pulled out the little fast, uh, all the little fast and stops. Just like the Logan Act was from like 1896 or something, and it was never used before. But yet, the, you know, they tried to uh, get Trump on it, a violation of the Logan Act, which is ridiculous, uh, because uh, they were accusing him of a Logan violation when, or Flynn, a Logan violation, uh, for, for preparing for his duties in the next uh, uh, presidential cycle. And yet you get a guy like John Kerry who goes behind the government's back or you get a real Logan Act violator like Joe Biden who was on tape talking to Poroshenko about not get not signing the deal to take the money uh, from the Trump uh, 
administration that's incoming because as soon as that happens, then there's going to be an investigation of integrity on that deal. And once people start putting eyes on the deal, they're going to see the, they're going to expose the crimes that were committed, the corruption that was taking place. I don't know if you recall all this, but you know, I'm, I'm giving it to you right now that we've talked about this in the past and, and it is true. I mean, everything that we're saying here is true because we have it on tape. It's not, it's conspiracy. It's, it's fact. But what they want to do is they want to cloud the area. They want to confuse it. And then they already know that they got the media on their side. And then if you just pound, pound the drum, they have the bigger and louder drums, don't they? And that's to their advantage. So before we run out of time, you, you know, uh, we're running near the end of time. But here, um, I wanted to read this quote to you from Henry Kissinger. And I read this last week, but I wrote something new about it yesterday. And I said, he said, who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. And who controls the money can control the world. So we're seeing the food supplies catching on fire everywhere nowadays. We're seeing supply chains being disrupted. Then we're seeing the Keystone Pipeline and future exploration and investments in our future energy going down the drain and jobs going with it. So basically, they're, they're going right after the food supply with these fires and they're going right in the fertilizer plants and they're, they're going right after our energy with Keystone pipeline and this whole climate change initiative. And it's almost like uh, right out of a book, isn't it? And who controls the money? Well, that's BlackRock, isn't it? Vanguard. We've been talking about that for infinitum now. So, Henry Kissinger was so right. And I said this, I said, globalists use multiculturalism to herd people like cattle, a cattle rancher herds cattle while they steal the peop, uh, from the people control of their food, energy, and money. Inflation. Thomas Sowell said this about inflation. He said it's the biggest theft from the middle class to the power elite. It, the tool that they use the most is inflation. It's by design, folks. And I continue and I say, it is why we see their aggressive attack on our food supplies, their use of climate regulations to control our energy, and use their banks to control and seize our money, using social credit score systems and two standards of justice to, maintain, to, maintain our, uh, to mandate our behavior. The COVID mandates come to mind on that. So we're going to take John from Chicago. John, you're on the air. Yeah, I know it's late, but I, I had to call about a couple of things you mentioned. You know, the Henry Kissinger quote is interesting, except when you destroy your own food supply and you refuse to look for energy, the capital means nothing, or at least means less. It really means nothing. You have to have energy. You have to have a food supply. Without that, the guys with the capital 
become the emperor without any clothes. So I, I think he's being too cute by half, Kissinger, in that quote. The people with the energy, with the commodities, and who back their currency with it, which is what Russia is talking about now, those people may end up on top in the end. And the situation where our leaders force us to go hungry or force us to go without energy will not last for long because that, that leads straight to the guillotine. Okay, I don't think that one is a very smart play. I, I think there was a philosophy to suppress those, suppress population, and that they'd like to see less population. Certainly, they want to repress uh, new development of new well, energy resources. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's not a good solution. No, no. I just want to before we run out of time. I did want to add this to the show. Um, there's this thing called the. Um, have you ever heard of the uh, clergy plan? Clergy plan. The which plan? Uh, oh yes, Kalergi. The uh, he yeah, was ha- half like Asian, half European. Nineteen twenties. Yeah. Yes, and so um, I had that queued up. A lot of people are attributing that to to, to Klaus Schwab. Um, they're saying he wrote it and he said it in his book, but really, what it is is this was from a nineteen ninety two um, book uh, by John Coleman. A nineteen ninety two book, and it says here you are watching the unfolding of the. Kalergi plan, that's K-A-L-E-R-G-I plan, it would not matter who is in, the pa- in power at the moment, as they are all just puppets of the globalist elite and are carrying out their orders. This is an excerpt from a book titled The Story of the Committee of 300 by John Coleman. So um, it, it talks about population shrinking and things like that, too. What also talks about transnationalism, no borders. They want that guy wanted to eliminate borders, well, especially in Europe. Clergy was the founding father of the EU, you know, and, and it's exactly what well, they're pushing right now with globalism. However, you push it too far, or you get the wrong leaders in there from their perspective. Once they're in, they don't have you know. Once they're in, Bill Clinton was not much until he got into the presidency. Then they have the power to kind of do what they want. So, you know, if you get a Trump in there, you get someone in there, you get a guy like the guy in Hungary, Orban, yeah. then they can kind of say what they want. So they, there's, there's a bit of a wild card there. The only thing I wanted to jump in with, I'm glad, the only, for Twitter, I, I use Telegram, okay, instead of Twitter. Okay. But and quickly, tele, quickly. With Twitter, Agarwal, what I really want to see is the CEO get fired. This guy comes over here from a foreign country and sees it as a mission to suppress speech here. That CEO has gotten himself yeah. fired, and good for that. CEO for, for Agarwal, for, for what company again? I forget. Oh, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter. He's yeah, a yeah, new Twitter. He replaced uh, yeah. Jack Dorsey. Hey, got to run. Yeah. We're out of time. It's a hard break. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All right. Um, well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Over at Magapack, we are supporting America First policies to make America great again. Be sure, if you want to go to my uh, Patriot Supply, go to mps.scottadamshow.com. Go to mypillow.com and use Red State as your promo code. And we'll and check out our Substack over at scottadamshow.substack.com. Follow us at Scott Adams Show on all the social media platforms. We'll see you next time on the radio.